Welcome back to another volume of truly disturbing tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This is going to be long. Apologies in advance if it doesn't make much sense. I have panic attacks when I think about this and struggle to put it all together. This happened back in 2021. I, a 27-year-old female, had just moved from Melbourne to rural Australia to live with my boyfriend, who was on a military posting at the army base, and also to escape Melbourne's insane COVID lockdowns. The town I moved to is pretty isolated about four or five hours to reach any large city in any direction. But it was big enough, with a few different suburbs surrounding the main area. Neither of us knew the area before moving here, and that's what led us to getting a house in a pretty sketchy part of town. I will try and explain the setup of the house, as this will be important for later. The house was old, with huge glass windows everywhere, including the entirety of the front of the house. Because of this, you could see into the kitchen, living room, and one of the unused bedrooms without coming down the driveway. There was an old metal fence to the left of the house, which was about a meter and a half tall, that went directly into the backyard, and to the right of the house was a small path, hidden by overgrown bushes and plants from the front, with a locked gate the height of the house that led to the back semi-enclosed patio and back door. The path was right next to the kitchen window, but it was a window that you couldn't see out of when the kitchen light was on, although you could see in. When coming in through the back door from the patio, you would walk through the laundry with an adjacent bathroom into the kitchen with our bedroom off to the left and a secondary bedroom directly next to ours. Our bed was on the wall that connected to the living room, which meant it looked right out to the backyard as it also had huge glass windows. My boyfriend had been out in the field for a week, so I was home alone. It was summer during this period, and it was hot. The house had terrible AC, so I had been sleeping with the windows open, and it even left the back door wide open on accident when falling asleep a couple of times. I've always felt safe in Australia, and have lived mostly alone since I was 18, so I didn't have a huge issue with it. It comes to Friday, my fifth day alone, and I decided to walk into town for something to do. The walk took about an hour each way, and when I finally got home, I was looking forward to doing nothing besides getting out of the heat. I spent most of the afternoon and evening in the living room playing PlayStation and watching TV. I had heard a few noises down the side of the house on the path next to the kitchen, leading to the patio that evening. But the guy who lived next to us had a workshop of some kind, so I assumed it was just him tinkering around. Now, I'm one of those people who will lie in bed before they are ready to go to sleep. So I head to bed around 10pm, and I was doing my nightly scroll of Let's Not Meet. But it was actually the stories and the content of them that stopped me and prompted me to get up out of bed and go close and lock the back door. The back door had a normal lock, and then a reinforced deadbolt with a key, screwed into the wall. 
About an hour or so later, still hearing the neighbor tinkering around occasionally, I decide that I'm ready to actually go to bed now. So I get up, start turning off all the lights, including the back patio light and kitchen light. I lie back down in bed again, and am finishing up my mindless scrolling, when I hear some noise once more, although this time it was a bit louder. I figured it was still the neighbor guy, in his workshop, or maybe some kind of animal, so I decided to put down my phone and drift off to sleep. After a couple of minutes, I hear a loud bang at the back door, and I instantly felt like everything went into slow motion. Almost instinctively, I knew that someone was kicking in the back door, but I also thought, there's no way this could be happening. Then came another bang, and another. It was so loud, and I felt like the entire house was shaking. I hear glass shattering, and then the banging continuing. Now this felt like it went on for an eternity, although I know now that it was no more than a few minutes. In my panic, after the second or third bang, thinking I could scare whoever it was off by pretending a man was there, I yelled out, Oi! in the deepest voice I could. I slammed my bedroom door closed. I have no idea why I did any of that. I locked it and called 000 before pushing my bed up against the door. The banging is still going on when I'm connected to the police, and then it stops. There was nowhere to hide, so I was crouched down in the corner of the room near the edge of my bed. While on the phone to 000, I can hear someone start kicking the bedroom door. I'm screaming at this point. I don't remember what I was saying to the dispatcher or what they were saying to me, but I remember praying that the police would arrive before these intruders made their way inside the room. I hear sirens, the banging on the bedroom door stops, and that's when I see flashlights shining in through my bedroom window. Because I was so scared and I couldn't understand what the operator was saying to me, I had no idea if the flashlights were whoever just kicked in my back door or if it happened to be the police. I don't remember how I came to realize, but it was the police. And the next thing I remember, I'm in the kitchen surrounded by 10 police officers, crying, doing my best to explain what had happened. I was absolutely inconsolable, so much so that the police had to use my boyfriend's army photos on the fridge to get his details to call the duty officer to get him to come home. Once I calmed down a bit and my boyfriend got home, I saw the back gate to the patio had been broken. The bedroom door was cracked. The back door had been kicked clean off its hinges with the deadbolt completely ripped out of the wall and the laundry window smashed. There were two sets of clear footprints on the door from where they had kicked the door in. I checked my phone. I called emergency services at 12.04 a.m. and had been on the phone with them for less than five minutes. All I can think that happened is that whoever these intruders were followed me back from my walk. They could easily see from the road that I was alone and were watching me on the path next to the kitchen for the entire evening. The noises that I thought were coming from the neighbor was actually them. And once I turned the lights off, they made their move. I don't think they anticipated the back door being so hard to break down, which is why they smashed the laundry window to unlock it. But they couldn't unlock it without the key. That's when they went back to kicking. That momentary delay 
is what saved me from whatever they were going to do. Whoever it was, they were never caught, and we ended up moving houses within the next few weeks. My boyfriend and I ended up splitting up, as he was regularly out in the field or on duty at night, and I couldn't handle being home alone at night anymore. I would panic, cry, and not sleep until the sun would come up, and it put too much strain on the relationship. It wasn't until later that I realized that I was experiencing PTSD. I now live back in my home city, in an apartment building that has 24-7 security and a billion cameras. I also have two dogs by my side every night. So to the guys who kicked in my back door and attempted to get into my room, I have no idea what you were going to do to me, but I'm very glad that we didn't have the pleasure of meeting. I'm a 30-year-old transgender male for the sake of my demeanor when this event occurred. At the time, I was a timid 19-year-old lesbian unleashed into this Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. World immediately after graduation. I had just lost my job at McDonald's due to a massive flood taking out a lot of businesses in my area, and I had a girlfriend that lived 30 minutes away, and I needed gas money to go see her. So I took a job offered to me by a family friend at a 24-7 gas station in the next town over. The shift that I was hired for was 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., graveyard, and I had never worked a night shift in my life but I thought that it would be pretty cool to have little to no pressure other than to make sure the coffee was ready at 4 a.m. for the morning regulars. I was required to train on day shifts for the first couple of weeks to get accustomed to the operations. Throughout those weeks, I learned many of the ins and outs of what takes place on night shift, and I also learned the ins and outs of the people that hung around the place for hours, and there were quite a few of those. One sweet woman in particular, Melinda, would come in every morning before and after dropping her kids off at school, around lunchtime sometimes, actually buying us lunch. And in the evenings, when her husband was home, she'd come in for a couple of hours, considering she lived a couple of streets over. She was nice, and I started to enjoy her visits, and we all got along so well in the store, so it was never any trouble when she decided to hang out for a while. It was a fun atmosphere for the most part. It's finally time for me to work night shift, and I had my manager with me for the first few nights. I was actually taking her place on night shift because she couldn't do it anymore. She was nice, and I admit that I had a pretty big crush on her, so I didn't mind spending the time with her all night. And I learned when she worked night shift, Melinda would usually come by then as well. I had been working night shift alone for a couple of weeks, and some of those night shifts drug into the days when we were short-staffed. But again, I needed the money, so I didn't mind. Anyway, one night, I was doing my chores, scrubbing the hot dog rollers, setting coffee filters up for the rush, and mopping the entire store. While emptying my mop bucket, I heard the chime of the door, 
and looked at my watch to see that it was about 2 a.m. Now, the time wasn't odd, but the fact that somebody stopped in at 2 a.m., that was. There typically wasn't anyone coming into the store until 4, and I was a little upset because I had just mopped the floor. But when I went out to see who it was, just as I headed out, I caught movement in the overhead mirror, the one designed to stop shoplifters, and that gave me pause. There was a man at the counter doing something with a money order machine, and upon looking again, I see that he has a knife. He was attempting to cut the wires. For what reason, I have no clue. While he was cutting, though, I heard him muttering, Where's Bonka? Where's Bonka? Over and over again. I knew that I could walk back to get to the phone in the office, but I didn't want this man to hear me. So I quietly pulled my phone out and texted Melinda to call the cops. I did my best to text quickly and explain the situation as best as I could describe. I'm thankful that she texted back almost immediately, saying, the police are on their way. I was glad to hear that, although it didn't stop me from freaking out with every second that passed. Before the police could get there, the man exited the shop, outside of the gas pumps, and threw all of the trash cans upside down, before trying to cut through the gas lines. That's when I took the opportunity to lock the front door in case he tried to get back in. Thank goodness I did, because the moment that he saw me at the window, he immediately made a beeline to the door, slamming his fist directly into it, cracking the window with the force. As he finishes his tirade, that's when the cops show up, and they place him in the back of the cop car while I explained everything that had just happened. Turns out, Bonka was a name that he called my manager, whose name was Bianca. He had become obsessed with her in the weeks prior, dropping in nightly and making her very uncomfortable, which explains why she was vacating the graveyard shift. She couldn't take it anymore. They knowingly threw a shy 19-year-old into this mess, and seeing me there instead of her was what turned that man's obsession into rage. I don't know whatever happened of the man. I do know that I didn't work at that gas station for much longer. While I like to think that I've grown and matured since this occurrence, I don't know if I'll ever truly be able to put this experience behind me. I don't work nights. I will never work in a position where I'm alone for long stretches of time. And that family friend that chose to employ me, knowing the situation they were going to drop me into without a heads up. Well, I don't think I've called them a friend in many moons. Safe to say that this experience changed me. I don't know for good or for bad, but definitely a change. My older sister and I recently stumbled across a memory during our weekly visits with each other. We had just moved to a suburb, our first house in a decent, yet isolated part of town. She was 12, I was 7. Mom let us take our white German Shepherd for a walk, alone. I remember the sun was setting over the desert landscape, but we weren't worried. It was nice to be able to walk unsupervised down the street. We lavished in our freedom and took our time, letting Kodak, our dog, sniff and investigate everything that he wanted. 
we had just let him off the lead and were watching him chase a rabbit. I guess that's why we didn't hear the car pull up, nor the huge man that was creeping up behind us. Kodak was a ways off when suddenly he turned back and glanced at us. Like a streak of white lightning, he raced back towards us. He flew. I'm not sure if his feet touched earth, but he blasted past our waiting arms and landed on the large man behind us. We turned, and we saw Kodak latched onto the man's arm. The man, now on the ground, screaming, doing his best to detach this dog from him. Kodak was a big dog, with big teeth, and he was absolutely shredding this guy's arm. The man was eventually able to get Kodak off of him, and that's when our dog took a stance between us and the man. We apologized to the creep, not realizing what danger we were in. The man offered a shaky smile and told us we were good kids as he stumbled off back to his car. I remember seeing a length of rope on the ground, which now I can only assume that he had been holding. We looked at Kodak, and he was growling profusely and continued to growl until we made it all the way home and he escorted us inside. That's when my sister looked at me and she said, Don't tell mom or they'll have to put Kodak down for biting someone. I was so naive. We were so naive. We thought that we were protecting our pet, but in actuality, he had saved one or both of us from a terrible fate. Now much later, I learned that my hometown was in a heavy area of violent criminals and otherwise predators. Many of the surrounding towns and communities had passed legislation that wouldn't allow these people to live in their towns. So in turn, they lived in ours. No wonder our house was so cheap. As adults now, it's pretty clear for us to decipher what that man's intentions were. And to say that I'm glad Kodak was there to put those plans to a halt would be an understatement of a lifetime. Kodak passed about five years later. We buried him in the backyard and planted a tree over him. Our mother still lives in that same house, and I visit that tree every time I'm over there to see her, making sure to tell Kodak that we still remember how good of a boy he was.